0: If you are new to Behind the Line, what you should know about me is that I am a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy, and after over a decade working with first responders and frontline workers around issues like burnout, compassion fatigue, PTSD, and related OSIs, I have become a passionate wellness advocate and educator for those who sacrifice so much for our communities out on the front lines. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real-life behind-the-scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. While you are listening today, please take a moment and go rate and review Behind the Line on Apple Podcasts. Your support and feedback goes a really long way in making this resource more visible to others who work in first response and frontline work. Thank you so, so much in advance for your help and your support. Okay, so one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is receiving messages from you guys. I love hearing about your wins, the ways you're integrating learning from our discussions, the ways you feel seen and reflected in the stories we share. And I also love hearing about the challenges you face, the things that are hard, and the ways that you are needing support in the struggle. Admittedly, those latter pieces are not as much fun to receive, but I do value them deeply. It means a lot to me that you guys entrust me with these hard things and give me permission to try and broach them here. And sharing this is the backdrop to our topic because the topic we are covering today and for this month came from one of you. I received a message to my social media inbox in response to an invitation I had posted seeking thoughts about what would be helpful to cover on the podcast this season. It was from a wonderful and loyal listener who has followed along with my work for a number of years now and has kept in touch to celebrate and commiserate, both of which I have felt honored to be a part of. The message I received reflected on a recent interaction that this person had with their very best friend, who, in hearing about this person's difficult time managing a critical incident at work, said, "Well." that's what you signed up for. I will acknowledge that my internal reaction to that story was not kind. And I will also acknowledge that I shared that with this listener, that my knee-jerk response to their friend's comment was to be, just go fuck right off. I also acknowledge that that is not a particularly helpful response, and I promised that I would spend some time digging into this and covering it on the podcast. So, welcome. Before I continue, I want to ask you, what was your internal response to the comment from the friend? Have you had people say things like that to you? Do you sometimes say things like that to yourself? Or believe it internally. That's what you signed up for. When it comes up, how have you felt and reacted? I want to invite you to sit with it a minute and examine what comes up in you. And I also want to invite you to let me know. I would love to hear your reflections. You can send me a DM on social media or an email to support at thrive life. I will own that my personal response comes from a place of absolute righteous indignation, a hoidier toitier version of anger. It comes up quick and it hits hard and is there out of a place of wanting to protect and defend. You see, as someone who works with first responders and frontline workers in some of the most vulnerable stuff, I know how hard it already is to own and sit with the hard days. The job on its own is already hard. The nature of dealing with everyone else's worst day is exhausting. Being exposed to bad thing after bad thing happening to your fellow humanity is simultaneously beautiful in being the person able to show up and depleting in being the person who always has to show up. You go and bring yourself to people who really need you. They need you to hold it. They need you to keep it together. They need you to provide comfort and care and service. And you do. And then often you go back to a system that tends to fail to care for you and just keeps asking you to do more. And so when you go home to the part of your life that should be a safe reprieve, the spaces and people who should be filling you up and showing up for you, it breaks my heart that you may not be able to expect just the most basic empathy and compassion to care for you in the midst of it. And in that space of knowing all you give and all that is asked of and taken from you as you seek to care for others— it really does just make me want to scream that those that you entrust yourself to leave you feeling misunderstood, unsafe to be real, and further alone. And that is where my just-go-fuck-right-off response comes from. As a society, we can't keep asking people to give so much of themselves and then not give anything back to keep them going. We can't expect to keep putting people in these positions, leaving them unsupported, and then standing back shocked at the suicide rates. We can't be upset at the short staffing and wait times and breaking down of the system, because the system is built on the backs of people, and those people lack some of the most Basic support they need when their best of friends blow them off with phrases that clarify that they are alone. It makes these amazing givers isolated, withdrawn, and gradually this will lead to mental health concerns, stress related health impacts, and a degradation that leaves no choice. But to exit the work, whether on a stress leave, medical leave, or career change altogether. We cannot keep asking helpers to show up for us and then not show back up for them. We just can't. So, here is what I have to say in an effort to educate the public around what you need to know about first response and frontline work. And I invite you, my dear sweet listeners to share this episode and the next episode in this series with your friends and family members to help them better understand what your experience is like and how they can better help you. Although it may be best to start it from about here so that they don't hear me telling them to F off. I'll leave that up to you. Behind the Line is sponsored by Beating the Breaking Point, Beating the Breaking Point is a seven part online training program designed specifically for first responders and frontline workers and tailored to fill the gaps in your training to support resilience and sustainability. Whether you're new to the work and wanting to cultivate tools to prevent burnout, compassion fatigue and related concerns, or you are deep into your years on the job and have gone a few rounds with burnout and other mental health challenges. This program offers the foundational pieces you need to support personal and professional wellness for the long haul. You are a helper. You love your work and you sacrifice a lot. Investing in you and your sustainability is the best gift you can give yourself and those who lean on you. We make this program as risk-free as possible by offering a limited money back guarantee to ensure that it's a fit for you. If you enjoy Behind the Line, you are going to love this program. Google Beating the Breaking Point Lindsay and find everything you need to get started, or use the link in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. Number one, no one should have ever had to sign up for this while the jobs of enforcing our society's rules, caring for our society's most vulnerable, and responding to the health needs of our populace are integral roles, The reality is that there has been few times in history that we have placed the kind of demand on helping professionals that we do today. Populations are living in more densely constricted areas, placing a volume of demand on helpers that staffing can't keep up to. In addition, as a society, at least here in North America and many other individualistic valuing societies, we have divorced ourselves from the value of community and the ways in which ownership and mutual accountability to the collective whole supports the system. In collectivistic cultures, enforcing law, for example, doesn't rest solely on police. It is a burden carried by the entire community. I think of Rwanda following the genocide, a place I have had the absolute gift of visiting, and the way in which they served justice to those who participated in atrocities during the genocide through community gacaca courts the people within communities were given opportunities to bring complaints. The community elders would host community-based trials. And the dealing out of justice was often community-based as well, requiring service back to the community for recompense. While absolutely not totally perfect, it is a great display of sharing in participation, ownership, accountability for the needs of a society as a society, not shoving everyone off to an unseen prison system, making it someone else's problem so we don't have to interact with the discomfort of what is happening in and around us. These systems also embrace the community's influence on raising next generations and supporting families. These cultures honor the way our human biology was built. We were built for connection. And their systems reflect not leaving one person, one job description, to fulfill the entirety of a role. Rather, they are in it together. So while, yes, you signed up to do a job, and a job that is highly needed and necessary for public safety and health, It also shouldn't be a job that exists the way we have it structured for you. And that is the failing of society. Number two, no one is built to do this. As a practical matter, there is no human on earth or in history who was neurobiologically built to do the kind of work you are tasked with, without being in some way changed or damaged by it. It is actually an impossibility. I have talked about this on the show a number of times before, so I won't belabor this, but I need for you and people in your life to hear and know that what we ask of you is above and beyond what any human is actually wired to do. And as a result, that we ask you to do it, And that you choose to say yes to the call our society has put out to you is a promise that you will never be the same ever again. It is not because you are weak or insufficiently strong. It is not because you are incapable or ill-equipped. It is simply because humans are wired for compassion and humanity and connection and meaning-making And these innate ways we operate are confronted repeatedly in all of the stark, abrasive, unrelenting, and unapologetic ways. Certainly, there are ways to curb the degree of impact, to limit the scope of it, and the deterioration that can result. That is exactly why I created this podcast and my resilience training program and other resources. But as I have said so many times on this show and in other spaces before, no matter what, no one comes out of this work unscathed. Number three, no amount of training fully prepares you for this. While the training you have undergone has a ton of value, there is absolutely nothing that can train you out of being human. If we learned nothing from even the fantasy imaginings of a Jason Bourne-like character existing, someone trained to be all of the compartmentalized, detached from humanness things, even he can't completely divorce himself from his basest humanity and urge for authentic care and genuine connection. We can train for preparation. We can train for skill development. We can train for scenarios and probabilities. We can train to reduce risks and limit the scope. We cannot train ourselves out of being the humans we were wired to be. Your investment in training serves you and prepares you and to some extent protects you. But it is not an impervious blast shield against all the shit that comes with this kind of work. And it's important to know that the impact of the work is not strictly limited to the bad calls or the critical incidents. As we've discussed on the show many times, it is more often than not the additional feature of existing within systems, whether workplaces or government systems or otherwise, that are not only unsupportive, but at times actively adversarial or aggressive toward their own. These systems are often not only not helpful, they are actively harmful in their own right. And these are the pieces the public, your friends and family, may not understand about the job. That it's so much more than the parts that they think they know from watching TV shows. And because these systems are often involved in shaping the training you receive they also tend to under-advertise how innately broken and toxic they are, meaning that you're not trained for a huge segment of what ends up being your time at work. Last but not least, number four. Discounting these points gets people killed. Here is the biggest takeaway I want you and your people to have today. When we minimize people's lived experiences, I don't care who they are or what they do, when we do this to anyone about anything, we shut them down. We teach them that we are not safe people to open up to. And more than that, we teach them that maybe others will think similarly, and so we should keep it quiet. This way of engaging isolates people who do hard things with the thoughts in their heads, and no outside insight, or perspective, or hope, or connection. And as someone who hears the thoughts we don't tend to say out loud to anyone, I know exactly how terrifying that can be. If we get this, well, it's what you signed up for, response, and we get it from various people and places a handful of times, We learn to hold it in that no one can or is willing to show up for us in the same ways we show up for others all the time. We start to feel like whiners or a burden. We question what it means about us that we can't seem to manage what we signed up for or that people we care about can't seem to care for us well in these moments when we need them to show up. And over time, this can degrade our sense of okayness, our stability, our sense of self. And as this erodes and more exposure comes in, we are at a higher and higher risk of so many problems, but most significantly, suicide. Minimizing our helpers, blowing them off, discounting their experience, while they are literally killing themselves to help others is without a doubt killing amazing helping professionals people who worked hard cared hard tried hard we are losing them and while it isn't as simple as saying that one good friend would have saved any one given life lost to helper suicide i will say that it wouldn't do any harm And it could very well be the difference maker in someone's life. Okay, as we get ready to wrap up this episode, I need to say to the people out there listening who are friends or family or loved ones of a first responder or frontline helper, I know you want good things for your people. I know that you are wanting to be a support and a carer. The fact that you are sticking by, listening to me tirade at you, tells me about your investment and willingness to care well for the person or people in your life who are working on the front lines. That is amazing. And I want you to know how much I appreciate and value you in that effort. I believe that the best friend who responded to the listener I shared about at the start of this episode likely didn't mean to be harmful in saying what they said. I believe in their heart they may have not known what else to say or how to help, and perhaps they didn't realize the kind of damage these words do. In our next episode, I'm going to offer some thoughts on ways loved ones can help to support more effectively. Words you can say. Ways to connect through the heart without dismissing or damaging. And to all of you out there who are working the front lines, I'll offer some strategies that you can kindly use to call out when your people let you down and help them know what you need instead. Because I think in their hearts they want to do right by you, but they haven't been trained either. So please join me here for the next one. If you want to get an email to your inbox letting you know when the next episode drops, please go to the podcast website and sign up for our email list or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform for notifications about new episodes. As we wrap up today, let me remind you that if you value this podcast and want to help us in our mission to support frontline wellness, there are four ways you can do just that. Number one, rate and review behind the line on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. Number two, follow me on social media at LindsayAfoss and engage with me and this amazing little community that we're building there. Every time that you like, comment, and share our posts, you help us to spread like wildfire thanks to the magic of the algorithm. Number three, share this resource and our other resources with those you know. If you'd like a poster or info cards about the podcast for your workplace, shoot me an email at support at thrive-life.ca. And number four, last but not least, consider joining Beating the Breaking Point, my resilience training program that seeks to fill the gaps in your training and support you in limiting the degree to which the job takes a toll. This program serves to sponsor all of the free supports and resources we make available, and is available for individuals to sign up for, as well as workplace teams. Go to the show notes for a link to learn more. Know that we can be found online on our website, on most major podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube. We make all of our resources available to you because the work you do matters. But way more than that, you matter. And we want to make sure that you have what you need to keep up the good work at work, as well as in your real life outside of work. So use it and share it. And until next time, friends, stay safe.